Okay, I think everything's all in place now. It's a joy to be with you all this morning. Um, for those of you that I haven't met, my name is TJ. Uh, been at Wellspring for about three years now, and occasionally the pastors ask me uh, if I would come up here and talk. Um, it's always a joy and an honor. Um, so um, thank you to the pastors, and thank you, all of you, for being here and listening to me talk. So... everything. On this second Sunday of Advent, when we have lit the candle of peace, we'll be continuing where Pastor Cheryl left off last week with the introduction to the Gospel of John. So we're going to jump right into the text this morning. Um, So hear these words written about Jesus of Nazareth, the one whose birth we are eagerly awaiting. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Peace in our time. These are the words of the extraordinary, yet homicidal, artificial intelligence named Ultron. As made famous in the second Avengers movie, Avengers, Age of Ultron. As is the case with most movies about out-of-control artificial intelligence, Ultron has very admirable intentions. He makes it clear that his primary objective is peace in our time. The issue is that Ultron concludes that the only way to stop all fighting and pain and the chaos that he observes in the world is for humanity to become extinct. The only way to ensure that there is peace is to separate the source of animosity from the world. Now, I can see where Ultron's coming from. Humans do have the capacity for a lot of chaos and pain, but I'm willing to publicly state I think Ultron is wrong. You can quote me on that. I'm fine with it. I don't think that killing everyone and separating the world from humanity brings peace. In spite of the fact that there'd be no more war or famine or any other terrible thing, I still don't think obliteration brings real peace. I actually think it might bring the complete opposite of peace, but we'll get to that later. Ultron did not just appear out of thin air. He's basically a computer program, and that program was the brainchild of Tony Stark, Iron Man, I'm sure you are all expecting to get some nice like Marvel knowledge today. So. so when Ultron says that he wants peace in our time, he's actually just mimicking the exact same words that he heard Tony use earlier in the movie. Ultron wanted the same goal that he heard his creator talk about. And yet, he terribly misses the mark on living up to his creator's ideal. 
of peace in our time. And that's the world we live in as humans. We desperately want peace. And yet we contrive some of the most harmful and painful means to enact this peace. We reverse, read verses in the Bible like John 16:33, I've told you these things that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Or Psalm 48 is all over the Psalms, so this is just an example that in peace I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Of course, it wouldn't be Advent without having a verse from Isaiah. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. We understand that God wants us to live in peace. But historically speaking, uh, we're terrible at this. Um, at least we, we are if you define peace simply as the absence of violence. Thanks in no small part to uh, Leo Tolstoy, we're told that the opposite of war is peace. And if we get rid of one, then we must be left with the other. But God isn't interested in this type of zero-sum peace. This type of peace is far too small for our God, who is love. And throughout the Hebrew Bible, as was mentioned with the lighting of the candle, the word we translate into English as peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is not just about the absence of war. It's about the presence of something. Specifically, it's about the presence of God. Shalom is about closeness, not separation. It's about restoration and relationship. And God is at the center of it all. So to help give us a broader and more full definition of peace, of shalom, today we're going to briefly consider three areas in our life, three relationships where we can work to usher in shalom. Creation, humanity, and God. Now, these three areas, they all work together. Um, you can't you know, separate them out into three nice, neat categories. And it can be completely overwhelming to feel like we're responsible for all of these areas in all ways. We aren't. Uh, we can't be. We, we aren't God. But what we can do is be part of that peace, even if it feels like we're not making a huge difference. I think um, these words of Mother Teresa ring especially true in this. We ourselves feel that what we're doing is just a drop in the ocean. But the ocean would be less because of that missing drop. Hope you hold on to that through this. Because through all of these relationships, 
to creation, to humanity, to God. Let us find ways to be a drop in the ocean of peace, along with all of the other countless drops to bring about shalom. So, let's start with creation. The shalom of God, the peace that we're called to that surpasses all of our understanding, encompasses all of creation. We're called to be present and close to the world around us. It's easy to remember that as we can hear the rain falling this morning. It's around us. And the plants that grow, and the animals that move, the wind that blows, the water that sustains, the ground that holds it all together. This world that we've been placed in is our home. And shalom is not the destruction of the earth for the betterment of one part of creation over another. Shalom is the fulfillment of creation. It's all parts of creation working together for the flourishing of all, working in harmony to reveal the nature of God, which is peace. It's not difficult to think of situations in which humanity has neglected the world around us. For us here in Halava, we need to look no further than our own backyard. Blatant disregard for land, water, humanity from this preventable petroleum spill is exactly what happens when we become disconnected disconnected from the world, from creation. Activists, particularly countless native Hawaiians, have been concerned about this very issue because they feel connected to the land. Are we, as part of God's creation, equally as connected to the world we've been placed in? Are we desiring for the whole of creation to experience shalom? Second area I want to talk about is our relationship to others, to humanity. Because shalom is not something that's done in isolation. Having the connection with others is part of what brings peace into this world. Restoration does not happen by pushing people away. Restoration to fullness, to shalom, happens when people come together when communities embrace, where lives are restored. On Thursday, November 18th, 2021, 17 days ago, Julius Jones was scheduled to be executed by the state of Oklahoma as a result of the efforts of uh, grassroots and national campaigns. The governor of Oklahoma decided that Julius would not be killed. The story could stop right there, and it would be a small glimpse of shalom on earth. A man who has lived for over 20 years on death row can go to sleep knowing he's not sentenced to death. Julius has the ability to continue connecting with people because he's still alive. And that 
is a step towards restoration, towards life, towards peace. But the moment of shalom that struck me most about Julius's story involves his mother, Madeline Davis Jones. Because those who are on Oklahoma's death row aren't allowed contact visits. This means for the past 22 years, this mother has not been able to hold her son's hand or give him a hug. On the day of his scheduled execution, she woke up with the reality that the next time she would be able to touch her son would be at his funeral. But because his death sentence was commuted, Judas was moved from death row and is able to have contact visits. And this mother is able to hug her son again for the first time in over two decades. And that, that right there, is a true image of shalom in our world. In a space where there was brokenness and separation, there's now embrace, there's hope, there's connection. And this peace was not achieved by locking people away or killing. This shalom was found by restoring the connection between humanity. This glimpse of shalom comes about when two humans have a relationship restored and hope renewed. This is the peace of Christ that we are hopeful for during Advent. The last area I want to talk about in ushering in peace to our world is through our relationship and our closeness to God. We are in the season of Advent, the church season of waiting. But what are we waiting for? I'm sure the wave makers know this answer because it's a Sunday school answer. We're waiting for Jesus. And that's true. But we're not just waiting for a baby named Jesus. We're waiting for our world to experience God in the flesh. Incarnation in the flesh. And this incarnation, this shalom, is worth waiting for. But why is it important and meaningful that God is fully human, that God is incarnate, has a body? It means that God knows from experience what it means to be human. Because we all know what it's like, right? We're all humans. Okay, some of us are, great. But God knows this too. He knows what it means to laugh, to cry, to celebrate, to mourn. God willingly chose to close this gap between God and humanity through the incarnation. Through God's closeness to humanity, particularly in the life of Jesus on earth, we are able to see more glimpses of peace, more glimpses of shalom. If we look back at John 1, which we read at the beginning, it says, in him was life, and that life 
was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light of Christ is the peace of Christ that penetrates the darkness in our world. The way to counteract that separation and the darkness is for more light, for more shalom. Naturally, uh, this brings us back to Ultron. See, the problem with Ultron's plan is that he didn't understand peace. He didn't understand shalom. Because peace, shalom, it requires a world. It requires people. It requires God. Killing people won't bring humanity closer to the world. It won't bring people closer to people. And it won't bring people closer to each to God. It destroys and separates. And peace is about the complete opposite. Shalom draws us closer to the world, to each other, and to God. So if we have a more robust definition for peace, the idea of peace in our time becomes very different. Can we have peace in our time? The hope, the same hope that Pastor Cheryl talked about last week as we entered Advent, that hope is what tells us, yes, we can. Looking around at our lives and our world can easily feel like shalom in our time is impossible. But those glimpses of this peace are all around us. And if you're like me, sometimes you want to see you know, huge expressions of this peace. But reminded of the words we read from Mother Teresa, we ourselves feel that what we're doing is just a drop in the ocean. And it is. But the ocean would be less because of that missing drop. It would be. So through big and small ways, with the world around us, with people around us, with God who is always with us, that is how peace comes to earth. And it's not just at Christmas in God becoming a human where we are brought close to God. For Christians, one of those moments where we're reminded of this hope and embody the peace of Christ, have a real closeness with God, is in communion. In taking Christ's body and blood and bringing it close to our own body, to our own blood, we are partaking in an ancient tradition. We're using elements grown from the earth, grains, juice, acknowledging that the world we are in provides for us in countless ways. We also take communion as a church because faith is a communal task. It takes each and every one of us. The church I went to in high school, 
had a tradition after every communion service, um, after everyone had you know, eaten their wafer and sipped their little cup of juice, um, everyone in the sanctuary would hold hands and sing uh, the hymn, Blessed Be the Ties That Bind. And people would you know, stretch across aisles and like, over rows to make sure that everyone was holding hands. It was quite a sight to see. Um, you know, because it wasn't, you know, everyone wasn't just packed together. Sometimes you had to really work for it. And that was always one of my favorite moments because of how everyone was intentionally included, how everyone was physically connected in this sacred moment to be close to God. And that's what communion's about, coming closer to the presence of God along with the whole church, locally, globally, across all time. So, as we enter this time of communion, we come to the table knowing that through Christ, God reaches out across vast distances to invite everyone to God's own table, to close the gap of separation between God and us. Through this bread, and this cup, we've been giving, given the gift of experiencing, of seeing and tasting shalom, of peace in our time. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Bless, O oh God, this bread which we together eat and the cup which we together drink. Lord, as we enter this time of communion with you, with the church, we ask that you meet us, that we feel your presence, and know that we are loved, that we are welcome, and that your peace which surpasses all understanding, is evident all around us, and may we be vessels of it today and every day. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.